hail our fair Riverdale. Register. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Riverdale Register. My name is Caitlin. My name is John, coming to you from Pool World. Oh, my God. And coming from to you from my aunt's house on Long Island. I have done all the Long Island things. I ate a bagel. I saw Billy Joel last night. Um, And I took the Long Island Railroad. And these are all things that if you know Long Island, that's that's all we do. We just live by the Long Island Bill of Rights. I think our Long Island fan base is losing it right now. Oh, I'm sure. For the local representation. I think there might be one person from Long Island who listens to this. It is no one in my family, mm-hmm. but but I'm sure there is a single person from Long Island. Well, you moved most of your family out to Los Angeles, and I assume you're there right now to convince your aunt to also move to Santa Clarita. I tried, but but she already said no. So you know, I can I can keep trying. I'm going to be you here for another trying. week. You really so. got to believe. Exactly. No, I. You know what? I can at least maybe get a visit, and then of course a kidnapping, but hopefully. Hopefully, it'll just work itself out naturally. Have uh, Have you been talking to our audience? I have been talking to our audience. And also, I apologize if I have the sniffles. I The cats are amuck. They're very cute. Oh, you got allergies? I wish I could pet them you got allergies during, during the recording of an episode? I do. Oh, yeah, I know. Now it's how, how the tide has shifted. Yeah, what's that like? Can't imagine. <laughs> I know, John, you can't possibly at all relate, but... This is this is really hard for me, and I wish that you could experience it just once. You know what? Or maybe 122 times. Who knows? I can't imagine your struggle, and therefore I don't I don't care. That's okay. No, that's okay. That's okay. You can't empathize, can't sympathize, and it's fine. I have been talking to our audience, though, and our audience uh, has a question. Did you know that they have a question every week? Did you know that's how it worked? What's What's weird about it is like when I when I watch an episode of Riverdale, I always come away thinking I have no questions. <laughs> Everything was really clear. So these are more questions. Yeah, this all made perfect sense. <laughs> these are questions for us as opposed to the show because I think if they were actually asking the questions for the show, there's just there's so many deeper questions you can ask. It would be different. It would be different. Most of our questions are just like, what do you think about this thing that happened? Right, exactly. And this is actually not about the thing that happened, but this is about a thing that could happen. So this is a little bit different. Oh, so, that's a good question. So okay. last episode was obviously, you know, it was a, um, not a, not a uh, capsule wardrobe. What am I trying to say? Not a bottle episode either, but it was like an anthology episode with like multiple, multiple segments. I don't know what you call that or if there mm-hmm. even is a term for that. So this person, DJ, thank you, DJ, said... Filler? Mm. Well, well, filler is debatable for sure, but but I loved it. I loved it. Don't get me wrong. But this was, um, this was a question. Last episode, meaning the episode we just watched, would have been the perfect chance to add Sabrina for a final cameo in the Riverdale universe. Do you think we'll see Sabrina, Josie, and the Pussycats, or Katie Keene make an appearance before the series ends? You're right. That would have been a cool spot to see her. Yeah. And I think the answer is probably no. <laughs> I could be wrong. And there's a lot of episodes. But I feel like we would have heard. I think that if she's going to make it, if Sabrina is going to make an appearance, it's going to be in the same way she made an appearance last season with her coming back and fixing things by magic. But I think it's going to be more like Tabitha is going to do that when she returns which where is she why is she not around anymore yeah what was the actress doing super weird i really hope she's thriving on a netflix show or something yeah that's the real question is what role did she get that 
That's a real question. She is right now uh, on Riverdale, according to the internet. <laughs> and so, so that's not helpful. And she was in a TV movie called Advice by Love. Is she love? Which, is her name love? Well, the the actual Wikipedia page doesn't even have a like a clickable link, so I don't have any idea. But I'm maybe she'll come back. Who knows? Maybe she's filming like a secret Marvel movie. That's always my excuse. I'm like they're probably filming a secret Marvel movie. You think everyone's and, secretly in a Marvel movie? Exactly. I'm like, oh, they're not an episode of like that's why Brett couldn't be on this episode. He's secretly filming right, a Marvel except, movie. And and Caitlin, when has this turned out to be true? Not one time thus far. <laughs> and that doesn't mean I'm not going to believe. <gasps> okay, so just I learned something very interesting about Aaron Westbrook. Aaron Westbrook is from Long Island, New York. Oh my God. Okay, but then she moved when she was six to Missouri. Never mind. But she was also, she went to Harvard. She wrote for the Harvard Crimson. She was president of Students Taking Out Poverty. I think she's an amazing person, from Long Island or not. Wow. Anyway, John, hi. hi. Sorry. I got so excited. What a journey that was. What do was. we do now? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about this episode. Because this episode is chapter 123, Peep Show. We've done this for so long. So long. Would you like to know where the title of that episode is from? I'm, I'm begging you. I'm begging you to tell me. Can you... Okay, cool. Peep Show is a British television sitcom starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb. And it's basically um, like a point of view series. Like you see things from the character's point of view, which is why it's called Peep Show. You're like literally like oh, looking through yeah. their eyes. I've seen, I've seen a lot of clips of this around. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I agree with that. It's not that I don't like it. Like it is funny, but it is also, I don't know, something about it is ex- is a little unsettling yeah. and it's funny because i thought that and then i was reading the wikipedia page for it and i thought it was just a like a comedy but this is how it's described by a critic the show has been described by co-creator oh sam bain sam bain as portraying the stubborn persistence of human suffering and through the ex- exploration of existentialism and loneliness as a realistic portrayal of why ordinary people are evil isn't that just like a really like dark way to describe what i I thought was like a very chill everything we're talking about is like i don't think it is meant to be a chill comedy i think i think it's very direct the reason they shoot it the way it is and the it kind of like locks you in in this state of discomfort you know i just never noticed first person is always a heck of a choice especially in scripted i will say uh olivia coleman is in it also oh well that's important to know that's great that is huge for them good for them i will also add the 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 definition of what a peep show originally was oh (laughs) a sequence of pictures viewed through a lens or whole set into a box traditionally offered as a public entertainment so it sounds like it's like early kind of on the way to filmmaking but even more closely like one of the things where it was like glasses and you would click the button it and it would like the viewfinder, ground. I think, right? Or is that what those are called? Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that, but like in a in like a street booth kind of sense. <clears throat> but also, it says an erotic or pornographic film or show viewed from a coin-operated booth. So some of these were naughty. But can you imagine? I I just can't imagine going to like a coin-operated booth and being like, I'm watching porn on this. Like, it's just, like, a very weird... I mean, weird... if you can't get it anywhere. But then it's, like, you leave the And booth. you got to imagine, it wasn't, like... I don't know, was it, like, actually 
images or was this at a time when it was just drawings you know was it like this like woman in a cartoon is like lifting up her skirt like but above her knees right right and you're like oh baby yeah (laughs) wow it's just hard to here on the street that's crazy right here here in this booth where i have like six people behind me in line so sexy yeah yeah hey guys wait your turn it's like so (laughs) weird i don't know i think i find like all like public displays of that kind of thing like I'm like, okay, so you guys were just all here. I guess strip clubs, though, would be like that now, too. So I can't really say. It's not like we don't do that now. But it's just a weird thing to think about. This episode was written by Ted Sullivan. Ted has been a co-executive producer since season four. And last season, he wrote the episodes uh, Death at a Funeral. That was when there was a death at a funeral. Was it? I actually can't remember. That did not happen, actually. How... Much easier would it have been if there was, was no death at a funeral in death, death at a funeral? I'm Googling it to make sure. How many more did he write, though? Well, hold on. Should I should I pull up the description and see if we can remember? I'm on, I'm on it. So, following the explosion at the Andrews residence, Archie res- assembles... Bleh, I'm sorry. My brain. Following the explosion at the Andrews residence, Archie assembles a team to help rebuild his home. Jughead copes with his new reality. Veronica breaks some news to the town, which later prompts a visit from her mother. So, no, I don't think there was... So, this was... is, like, right after Rivervale, when it's, like, we don't know who Pickens is yet, and yes. Jughead is deaf, but yes, he exactly. might also be psychic. Yes, this is when they get the powers. <laughs> yes. Wow, it's really hard to remember all of this stuff that happened, because it feels like it's all part of a different reality, where Last Riverdale was so was many things. season was such a journey. Such a journey. Yeah. It's uh, so weird. Yeah. He it, also wrote he also wrote Return to Rivervale. Where they returned to Rivervale? No. Correct, yes. Okay, yes. And cool. Then, that works. <laughs> this episode was directed by Amy Myrold. And what's interesting about Amy is that um she isn't even on her page on IMDb, she's not credited with directing anything, including this episode. But on the episode page She's credited as the director. Seems like she's normally a producer of Riverdale. So maybe she directed this one and they haven't fully gotten it onto IMDb yet or onto her IMDb yet. But I guess first directing credit. Proud of Amy for doing new things. It's a good, it's a well-directed episode of television. Yeah. I am loving this season and I love the style of it. And I just think, you know, everyone is really bringing their A-game to this very chaotic show in its seventh season. And I'm very happy. I for agree, everyone. mostly. A part of me really, really needs someone to talk about the hat in the room. The, is the hat the Jughead hat, or are you talking about Ethel's murdered parents? No, I, or are you talking about time travel? Wow, <laughs> wow, there's a lot. I definitely mean the actual hat. Oh, Jughead's hat. Yeah, just like I am enjoying it. We have to talk about it at some point. Well, it's like they're We're having a good time in the 50s. We have to talk <laughs> about it at some point. I know it, it It does feel like we are, I don't want to say spinning our wheels because it does feel like the show moves forward. Like the character development is moving forward. Like Betty is moving forward. Right. Archie is moving forward. Jughead is moving forward. Veronica is forever the same. But I just think that we are not really inching towards a figuring out anything yet but at the same time it's kind of working because we're not because we can actually just enjoy the characters as opposed to the fast 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 pace of all the other seasons 
No, yes, Where they just yes. burned through plot. Yes. But. <laughs> I know. You Tabitha got it. said. You got it. No, 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 no. It's, it's a different thing. Now, Tabitha said that he oh. had to make sure the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. And we are six episodes into the season five since that point and each episode has been about um teens discovering their sexuality and just next leave. week's episode <laughs> is going to be about get this teens discovering oh. their sexuality and again not oh. that i have a problem about this how is this the moral arc of the universe i guess you could argue that the expression and not the repression like like being able to express something versus repress something is arcing morally as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, lock it down and forget about it. And, you know, I would say like it, it's a lot clearer in this episode with Cheryl and Tony than it is with Betty and Archie maybe because it's like, oh, well, Cheryl and Tony discovering that about themselves is allowing people in the future to be more open with their sexuality, which is bending towards the moral arc yeah. of the uterus being good etc etc but yeah i thought this I know, was yeah i i liked this coming out for cheryl more than the incredibly maximalist version from the main show where she's like rescuing tony from the nuns who are going <laughs> to make, like it's all the girls watching the video that's like don't be gay 1984 right right that was in the present day which is yes. really funny that was modern weird day to think about yeah. Yeah. Everyone's way more chill in the fifties. I mean not more chill, there, but there is a there is like a line from from Cheryl going off on another character we'll 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 hype up later in the episode. Hell yeah. She's like, I don't want to hear any kind of racism from you and I'm like, Yeah, racism <laughs> we solved racism. It's nineteen fifty five. We don't do that here. I know, it's like, Oh, okay, you guys really it's the sixties are, are literally not even here yet, but yeah. sure. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad with the confidence, though. That's I just good. started watching Mad Men. Oh, yeah. I've never seen it. And that's it. after this. Is it is it still bad? Did, do they still have some social issues in the Mad Men era? There were four storylines in this episode. Comic books, Slaughter of the Innocent. Did you know Frank Andrews sucks? The female gaze? Was that with a Y or a Z-E? With a Z-E. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> the, next, the next one is, but I'm a cheerleader. Yeah, okay, that's a better title for that one. I, let's start with But I'm a Cheerleader, and then let's go into Why Frank Sucks, because that's always fun. Great. Okay. We gotta talk. He And he's never sucked more. The worst. Truly the worst. Cheryl returns Tony's book that she got two episodes ago, and that's crazy how that feels like a month has passed, and she tells Tony that she really liked the voluptuous feminine forms on the cover. Did she read this book? Like, she's like... I yeah. <laughs> I read the back cover. Uh, what if Cheryl can't read? What if that's the big reveal? Cheryl can't read. The Leah Michelle of the show, but for sure. Maybe she painted. I want to imagine she painted something based off the cover. Right. She's like, I was very inspired. I really could not get past anything. Tony invites Cheryl on a date to talk about the book. And Cheryl can't because she has to run a cheerleading team. Glad this is back, though. It's nice. Tony walks into Vixen's practice where we reveal Evelyn is back. So Evelyn is... Evelyn ever and ever. She is not... She was never a student at Riverdale in actuality because she was... She was never a child. Right. I mean, I guess maybe one time at one point she was, but... No, she was born a 38-year-old <laughs> teenager. 
That was probably, if we were, and I think we should, at the end of this season, we should rank the craziest moments or just the most like, oh my God, like who thought of that plot line? And I do think that Evelyn being an adult, pretending that her husband is her dad is really high up there. We need to have like, after the finale, we need to have like an an aftercare episode. We get a bunch of our friends together, get some drinks and just talk about the show. You know, just hold each other and make sure everyone is okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we all made it. Exactly. We saw it. We did. We survived. But it, it all worked out, guys. We're, we're safe now. Evelyn says they have no openings, but Cheryl shuts her down and spends the entire episode shutting her down. It's fantastic. Do you remember season one and maybe even two? Cheryl had like these two girls who followed her around who didn't have names. Yes. And they just disappeared. Like, immediately, pretty much. Right. Yes. Right. They were, they were like, we don't need you anymore at a certain point because they had so many characters. It is kind of funny how now you can have that same role be filled by Evelyn and, and new Midge. And it, it works better because we at least kind of have an idea of who those two are. I do think that Evelyn is a very different person, though, in this universe than she was when we met her. Because she was kind of, like, open... And ch- not chill. She was not chill. But she was not like a like a prissy person. She was very like, oh, I just want everybody to like yeah. come join my play and then join my cult and then yeah, you want to chill out at my at exactly my farm? this version. Now here's a question. Okay, is that all a lie? Is Evelyn? You think Evelyn is not actually Evelyn? What do you mean? If she is she still is she still a full grown adult pretending to be a teenager? <laughs> trying to do this thing but her angle's just completely different i now. did think about that i was like could there be i mean we know chad michael murray directly we know this from his his mouth he wants to come back he wants he wants in <gasps> he'd be happy to come back exactly if there was ever a i would be delighted to see uh, he's the church leader of the town and it's like edgar ever never the hot oh my priest god i would in. love it uh, that would be amazing. I think, or you know, whatever his pitch was, I forget what his pitch was for how he comes back. Maybe they should do it exactly like that. If one, I think that maybe that's a bonus episode that we just play that that oh, cameo. We just release the audio from the Chad yes. Michael Murray episode, or we just have one of our friends do a dramatic reading of it because absolutely amazing. It's still the best thing I've ever received in my entire life, but. I don't know. I I think she's just a student here. It's amazing how young she looks. I mean, I know she must be pretty young, but like, yeah. yeah. Gifted. There are some of those actresses who just play teens for a very long time. Bianca Lawson, I think is her name. She was on Buffy and Saved by the Bell and then also Pretty Little Liars and the Vampire Diaries. So if you think about like how much time passed between those shows to still play a teenager is wild. She popped up on, uh, she she popped up on Teen Wolf and I got nervous and then it was like, she is the school therapist. Oh, okay. Breathe a sigh of relief. She was an adult. (gasps) The youngest therapist that this school has ever had. She is 14 years old. She's (laughs) 22. Amazing. Thank God. Thank God. So Tony tries out for the team. And Evelyn has to take Cheryl aside later to assure Cheryl she's not against Tony because of race. That would be messed up. She's homophobic. Great. Love it. Amazing. Evelyn sucks in this universe. Cheryl, she was so cool in the other one, though. 
Cheryl leaps to Tony's defense by assuring Evelyn that Tony isn't, quote-unquote, a lezzy. I hate that word so much. I hate it. It, like, makes me so angry. I don't know why. Yeah. It's probably because it's a, you know, a homophobic slur. That could be why. (laughs) So Cheryl, Cheryl knows she is. Well, I mean, she's bi, but, like, no one understands that concept at this time. Let's just take it slow, Cheryl, okay? Cheryl knows that Tony is attracted to women, but to defend Tony, she lies about it, because all Cheryl knows in her life is lying about her identity. It's in- safety. It's interesting how vehemently she defends it to say, like, oh, no, no, she's not, as opposed to, yeah, and if she is, so what? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a thing that we've all kind of, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, that used to be, like, a thing where it's like, hey, don't call somebody that. Right. It's like, well, why not? Who cares? Mm-hmm. Who cares? You know? Right. I mean, I think. I, You know, the irony is, like, when, when, when I was little, it was at a time in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s when, you know, gay was the thing. A young boy would call anything he didn't want to do. And yeah, it that was had, a bad time. Listen, I had no thought in my brain about people's sexual identity when I was using that term. It didn't mean that to me. Yeah, I think that, yeah, we didn't really, I, I think you don't really realize that it that it is so offensive until you get older because you don't have a concept of that, you know? Right, Yeah. It's hard to define how it got to the point, but I think it also, I hmm, I don't know if it's if that ended up helping when it had lost all of that meaning to a certain point. They were like, yeah, why why does that why am I using that word that way? I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know what kids are like today if they're still doing that shit. Probably. I don't. I actually don't think. so. Well, I'm sure some people are, but I I wouldn't. I don't think so because I think people would be like, what? Like I don't know. They have better less offensive but probably still just as deeply cutting terms i also think that um yeah you know i feel like they have better more cutting and specific insults they can do now i wouldn't want to go up against a gen z in a fight in a verbal fight pretty afraid of it gen z isn't even like the children anymore right well i guess the children are generation alpha but that's like you're pretty young like i don't think a six-year-old a six-year-old right i'm also afraid of but for different reasons i think yeah so we're already at that point where like every joke about oh this is how gen z talks like where they speak only in slang that's actually gen alpha that's not gen z is is entering the workforce they talk like people now that's crazy wow Uh, i don't want to you got to say less things like that i think (laughs) in order for me to feel oh sorry comfortable Uh, here (laughs) this is a safe space i thought well what if (laughs) Would it make you feel more comfortable if uh, Lizzo, the character, not the pop superstar, any, uh, uh, returned in this episode? Any other name they could have chosen. Lizzo is a very <laughs> famous person. I am. I'm excited. Yes. She says yes. A, a great line. Perhaps my yeah. favorite of the episode, actually. Can you say it? Because I didn't write it down. Tony and uh, Lizzo are at the coffee. I wouldn't say the coffee bean, but that's not right. The coffee house. Talking about Tony. The dark room. The dark room. Thank you. Le Bone Nut. <laughs> etc la baby land etc etc and she is saying oh like why are you chasing after that she says something like the red-headed closet case which tony's like have you <laughs> she doesn't say it but i would say i'd be like have you seen her she's very hot and then she says 
then Lizzo's like, I get it. I She's like, I would lick that cherry lollipop too. And I was like, that is a weird line, but... I, yeah. It is burned in my brain Lizzo's forever. best thing is her dialogue. Yeah. And her name. And her name. And so this scene basically reminds us all that she exists. She exists. She's openly gay, single, and interested. <laughs> Poor Tony. I think that they've had, like, Tony, a relationship. Tony has options. She has options. Yeah. Hmm? She's going to go for the harder sell, though. Right. Yeah. I don't think Lizzo is looking for a relationship with Tony, though. I don't know. Maybe this is, like, her longtime love, and she's Lizzo, just... Lizzo, like a boy, wants to conquer Tony in a way. I don't know. I I just think that, that maybe they had, like, a romantic past that didn't work out, and she's kind of secretly pining, a la, like, a Reggie and Veronica. And that's just my headcanon. And I, I would be sure that if they did hook up, it would be like, yeah, of course, a lot of this, all of Lizzo's... Lizzo-ness is a performance and there's probably a real person over there. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. She just needs her own episode. We have time. It's only the last season. Right, right. We got so many episodes, so it's all good. <laughs> it's fine. Evelyn snoops through lockers and finds the lesbian book. The price of pepper? The cost of pepper? The, co- the cost of pepper. Tony finds Evelyn and scares her off. Well, Tony, like, stands up for herself, which I thought was good. Yeah. Uh, Evelyn accuses, I think, Cheryl or Tony or both of them of being gay. And, to- and Tony has more of a and. Right, exactly. Kind of response. You got a problem with that? Hey, I can beat you up. So, so. there's that. And Tony tells Cheryl then not to speak for her and definitely not to closet her. Yay. Loved it. Yeah, and that gets Cheryl to stop kind of lying to herself and Tony admit that she is attracted to Tony Topaz. As we all are. I'm going to speak for the universe, I think. I think that's safe. Every single person alive. Cool. Tony sexual. Yeah. Right, of course. I think we're we're all that. Cheryl tells Tony about her Aunt Carol. I don't think a woman we've ever met before. I want to assume it's the same actress as Penelope. (laughs) Also, it's in the book Carol. Like, Carol is the, the cost of pepper is... Oh, my God. So she didn't read this book. So weird. <laughs> it would have been really funny. Yeah, if she was like, yeah, my Aunt Carol met this woman at, like, a, a, a store you know, during <laughs> Christmas time and ended up going on, like, this whole trip with her. And, like, that woman's husband found out and turned this whole mess. And Tony's just like, that's literally the book. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, right, right. Sorry, delusions again. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta think of a different story. Uh, I like, you know what I'm just realizing right now is that essentially the book of Carol did for Cheryl in her realization of her true sexual orientation. It did for her exactly Love what Simon did. In the original timeline, love. <laughs> Love Simon did for her. Two things that are of equal <laughs> cultural significance. Wow. That is what Greg Berlanti is explicitly <laughs> stating. If A, then B. That you really should be holding my movie Love Silent up on the same pedestal as uh, The Price of Salt. And you know what? I, I do, though, because I love Love Simon <laughs> and his whole Simon family. The whole Simons. All of the yeah, Simons. Yeah, Mom Simon, Dad Simon, Chef Simon. They're great. <laughs> chef Simon. Private Chef Simon. Dog Simon. Tony, on the other hand, was uh, kicked out of her parents' house, but then has moved in with her grandmother, where she apparently can just be herself. Yeah, more or less. So Good for her. 
Yeah. So then, uh, next day in practice, Cheryl tells Evelyn that she doesn't get to be on top of the pyramid anymore. Tony's on top of the pyramid now. This is always such a big deal in cheerleading plots. It's like, who's the top of the pyramid? You gotta be. Yeah. 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 It's the power position. But also, doesn't it just mean you're lighter? You're (laughs) lighter. I get why it would be Evelyn. She's tiny. I mean, so is Tony, but it's also like... You got good balance. It is like a lot of other aspects of it than who's the most important person. Yeah, it's not like your value <laughs> as a human being. Though it is mostly the most dangerous position, I would think. Mm. So I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay at the bottom. That seems safest. Have you... Yeah, I'm just saying I've never been in the audience, seen that happen. I mean, I've never really just seen that happen at an average football game. I've or never. definitely not basketball. And I and and never then thought well, that girl on top, she's yeah, the best. She must be most important of all of them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm that's usually how it works. looking at the ones on the bottom. Like, how are you doing that? That's incredible. I don't understand how cheerleading or gymnastics really. But works. they made. Did you gymnastics? At least you have a mat. When you were in school, did you in gym ever have like a gymna- gymnastics period where they had you do this? Um, not this. This would be oh. insane. But we had we, we did it. We climbed a rope. Did they make you do a human pyramid? They made pyramid you do a human pyramid. Class. Yeah, and it was like a mix Jeez. of boys and girls. So it was like boys on the bottom. You got to be the base. That feels so deeply unsafe. But nobody died. Nobody died. Okay, nobody died. So then maybe it's Routines fine. Routines were invincible, you know. Right. Of course, there was a story about a kid who just got like impaled through the eye in gym class, but. You know. Oh my they, god. Yeah, it was yeah, it was actually horrible. Walk it off. Taylor do a lap. <laughs> do do a lap. It's fine. I always thought it was dangerous to climb the ropes because the ropes were like I never did that. High. Like you could go Yeah, we had like cargo nets. Do you know what those are? Cargo like, they nets. They look like cargo nets. Like like something from like yeah, they gymnastics like, or like a circus? Yeah, it's like you're yes. Yeah. And you like climb the net. That's wild, dude. Yeah. And I always thought that was like, even as a kid, I was like, I just feel like the higher you go, you're so small. and You're in more danger. Yeah. And yeah. And it's not like they're ever hooking you up to yeah. like a like a pulley thing. I know. It was like actually kind of crazy that they allowed people to do that. But anyway, I could never climb it. Like I well, could never get that high. Yeah. They didn't, yeah. That's fine. So yeah, Evelyn, top of the pyramid, really uh, great at it. And now Tony is mm-hmm. the top because she's most important and more beloved. Tony is on top of the pyramid. And then Tony does like sexy power moves. She kind of pins Cheryl against a wall in the locker room and they kiss and gay balance is fully restored. I loved it. It was great. It was so good. I, and I love how Fangs is just off maybe being a dad somewhere. Hmm? Fangs is just fangs yeah he's just being he's like playing basketball he's there oh, he's around. oh yeah well is he uh getting to be a better person so we can have midge's uh hand in marriage because what happened with that yeah hold on a second <laughs> every time this show sets up at the end of a, an episode they're like and we have explicit business to take right. care of we don't see that business for weeks <laughs> no we're not gonna see it i'm sure for weeks maybe fangs will just come in and be like i'm a successful man now yeah, it's likely we may forget about this and yeah. only come back to it. We have four months. We don't have time. We don't have time. But you know what? Maybe maybe Midge, uh, Midge will start showing eventually, and we'll have to speed it up. Now, here's the question. When Midge gives birth to the baby, how long before that baby is a full-grown human man? Three days. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have time. We got to accelerate. Exactly. It. It's like the, That's when Tabitha comes back? It's like Old Beach. That's, uh, that's how it works on Riverdale. The beach that makes you the old. The beach that yeah. makes you old. Yeah. Great film. 
What do we do now? <laughs> we have other options. You wanted to go to Frank. You wanted to talk about how Frank Andrews I sucks. do. I really do. I really have that opinion. I want to talk about it. Yeah, Frank wants to um, speak to Archie alone. Uh, and he asks Archie if Fred would be proud of Archie now. Wow. You just got here. Literally, he just got here. He says, he says, what did your dad say before he went off to war? And I assume, because I know Fred, I assume he said, I love you unconditionally. <laughs> no. No, it was apparently take care of mom and be the man of the house. Whatever that means. I don't think that was what Fred said. That was not what Luke Perry said. No. But no. sad. Luke Perry said, I love you. I'm proud of you. You don't have to do anything to make me love you more. He was such a good dad. It's so sad. He was the best. He really was. Frank makes Archie apologize to Mary for disrespecting her and promise to be a better son. When did he disrespect Mary? This is my first question. Like, what did he ever do to his mom? He took her to the He's bath- been... The dance. Dancing with his mom <laughs> yes. at the dance. You know, he's been not getting married to Cheryl like Mary wanted. Right, but also didn't really want. There was the car thing, I guess, earlier in the season. Yeah, he just came in really hot for someone who's... Which is his whole deal, right? Yeah. He's like, I don't have a penis and I'm taking that out on you. <laughs> right, exactly. Blown off in the war. I'm upset. Or is this the version... <laughs> Is this the version that does still have it, and that's why? What, you think that that's where his, like, source of anger came from? Like a, like... I don't know. I don't know. Like that's a you, great question. Like how you fix a dog. Right. <laughs> right, right. He's unfixed, which is not great. Right. This man has no trauma, and he's just going around causing it. I don't know. Maybe it's all the mustache. That could also be something else, because that's new, right? Or no, he had the mustache. Did he? He's been a beard boy for for the whole time. Okay. And now it's just the mustache. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now it's just the mustache. He ripped off Hiram's father's look. Yeah, exactly. He really did. He really, really did. He marches Argy to the principal. I just, that sounds so humiliating. Yeah, my uncle wants to send me here. To make Archie tell the principal that he wants to be a B student at least. As if the principal is even the teacher. What are you talking about? And the principal's like, okay, you want good grades? I don't know. Go be better at school. Like, thank you. Great. Go go do that. Yeah. This principal also, like, just seems so hateful. I was like, is there a secret agenda? Like, is this what he's wanted the whole time? He's, he's, he's upset every time he looks at a yeah, child. Yeah, get a new job. Figure out something else. <laughs> Seriously, maybe you should be running some kind of juvenile institution yeah. instead Child of Fight Club. This. You know, where you can look at children fighting with glee. <laughs> maybe, maybe, and this is a thought, you should be in jail. Yeah, that, there's also that. But I don't know if that happened yet in this universe, but I think it will. The moral the moral justice arc leans towards moral justice, as we all know that famous saying. Speaking of, the patriarchy asks Frank to stick around. And officially join their ranks. They say, you made a great villain last season. He says, you didn't really get much to do. And they're like, join the party. They're like, everybody loved you. You were clearly a a favorite character amongst many. So stick around. And he does. Stick around, buddy. He is now the new head coach of the basketball team. Basketball is an interesting choice. It's an interior instead of going outside yes, for football. Yes, that's what I thought. It seems like they took the old uh, boxing 
gym set and might be what they turned into this basketball gym set if they're not just shooting at a basketball gym yeah that makes a lot of sense because i was like oh it's i actually i think it's uh, more 50s to play basketball for some reason it is i also agree i think basketball was a bigger sport at the time so i think it works but it is nice and cheaper probably Mm -hmm. so that's also convenient yeah, it's, it's very, very Pleasantville mm-hmm. to be playing basketball. Yes, I think that's probably, I mean, Paul Walker's character feels very Archie yeah. in general. Yeah, it all it all works in their favor for switching sports. Totally. Uh, Frank expects to see Archie on the team. Archie's like, I'm going to sit it out. You told me to get my grades up. I can't do two things at once. <laughs> Famously, I am bad at that. <laughs> And Frank tells him, no, you're going to be conflicted about doing multiple things at the same time. You're going to be the water boy, because that's my insult, is making you do things. Does this man live in their house? Don't be your own man. Be the man I decide. He is uh, my least favorite character of the episode, for sure. By far. By far. Archie comes into his garage and finds his car isn't even there. And Frank comes out and he says, Caitlin hated it, so it's got to go. <laughs> Caitlin didn't think it was uh, street safe. You know, it's not a street legal vehicle, and therefore we had to get rid of it. But Archie's upset, and I'm upset for him, because his whole life is being controlled by this very strange man. Late at night, uh, Archie's watering the gym when he picks up a basketball and almost shoots one single basket and then decides not to. I think being the water boy seems a lot easier, honestly. What do you do? You sit and you hand people cups? Seems easy. It should be, but apparently he also works late into the night cleaning the entire <laughs> Yeah, we gym. saw there were janitors last episode. <laughs> yes. here. There's a staff. It's very fucked up. Child labor. But it's the 50s. Everyone is uh, working inappropriately. Frank has good news for Archie. He forced him into a job pumping gas at Pops. Another example of child labor. At this point, I'd be like, oh. You're telling me I get to not be in the house with you and instead spend four hours out of the social center of the of the town while making money and hanging out with Pop? That sounds like a pretty good time, actually. Pop, who has always loved me unconditionally, much like my father. Right. And how much I wish you did, Frank. Yeah, Julian Blossom is really the issue. You know what Frank is? A uh, problem. Frank's a rat, Fink. <laughs> yeah. Julian does pull up for gas to insult Archie. I know. I really liked him, but no, he sucks. He, I think he feels personally intimidated by a more attractive redhead being in the I, area. I could understand that. Even though the, the whole, you know, there's so many redheads. Do you think that Julian Blossom's a real redhead? I think he is. He looks like it, right? Yes. I think he's the only... Yes, he looks like a real redhead. Yeah. 100% they found one. Yeah. They did. They got one. I wonder if you auditioned for Archie. And it was just, not yet, buddy. But you wait. I don't know, man. I bet they... I, I think this was Like, a... no, just like, yeah, it's like maybe. maybe they're like, hey, wait, that guy. Let's bring him back to be a rival. I still don't really understand what, what the point is of having a Julian. I think it's because they didn't have a Reggie. And I think Reggie was going to play this role. And instead they were like, well, let's make it fun. And that's why they brought back evil doll, Julian Blossom. You're probably right. Well, Pop brings Archie a coffee and talks about Fred. Fred was an incredible rebounder and played basketball with Archie all the time before the war. He was a true hero. He was. And a cool dude. (laughs) To us all. Julian tries ordering Archie around outside of practice. You know he's in danger because the camera starts going handheld and you know that means someone's about to throw a punch. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Yeah. And I also think it's funny that Jughead in the beginning of the season was like, oh, don't hit me. You're very violent in the present day. I think this Archie is kind of just as likely to punch someone. 
Well, you know, in the past, he's, this is like, in the past, he's talked about feeling like he wants to hit Julian having to leave the area. And then Julian's just been like poking him for episodes. Right, I get it. Hit him. But this does this does feel like a reaction more akin to present day Archie than past Archie. Yeah. And it makes that sense. Also being said, Frank's here. Yeah. So everything's worse. Yeah, he's making things so much worse. Archie was kind of just living his life. He's perfect. He's a perfect little boy. <laughs> I've never like been so defensive of Archie. I mean, you know, I used to be like, "Oh my god, Archie, like why are you still doing this?" And now no, he's I'm just so like, boring. He's and so now boring. He's... I, every day I'm like, I want to be more like Archie. Yeah, it's like protect Archie at all costs. Yeah, I also think KJ is doing just incredible work here. So I hope good. he's not thinking this guy is super boring like he used to. I hope he's uh Yeah. he's enjoying this as much as I am enjoying this. I'm enjoying his performance. Everyone's performance uh, Archie hits Julian. Just oh, to be clear. Oh, yeah. Just to be clear. Yeah. A punch was thrown. Mary shoes Frank away from this one. Finally. Jeez, where have you been? <laughs> why did you ask for this? Anyway, she asks Archie why he doesn't want to play basketball when he played it so much with his dad. Mm. And Archie says that is the thing. He can't let go of his grief when he holds a basketball. <gasps> Jesus. He couldn't handle not being good enough. That's so sad. This is such a sad way. Oh, so sad. It is amazing how much pathos they continue to get out of this relationship. Yeah. Great character writing, great character casting, and great uh, use of... No, not use of a tragedy, but... Some crass. Yeah. But they handled it very well. When the, when a tragedy happened, they handled it... They've handled it incredibly well and continue to handle it. Exactly. Well. Yes, I agree. I, I don't think that's crass at all. I think it's the truth because, you know, it could have been, oh, something crazy could have happened to Fred, and it didn't. It was like something kind of not natural, but you know, a tragedy and right. it played out and yeah, yeah, it worked and it's sad. So uh, Mary assures Archie that nothing would make her or Fred happier than seeing Archie play in Fred's number. And so Archie walks into the gym in full base basketball. In full baseball gear, which is confusing for everyone. He's got a baseball bat. He's, he's, ready to go. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got something to prove. He is playing. He sinks a free throw. He emotionally, metaphorically slaps Julian in the face and he tells Frank he's not doing this for him. And Frank respects that because nobody loves him. Right, exactly. Cool. Just one more person. <laughs> Great. Love it for me. Another person who's mad but beside me. That's the best I'll ever hope. <laughs> oh, sad. So where, where are we going next? Other than that, we got comic books okay. or we have the female gaze. Now, the female gaze does include the actual cliffhanger from this episode, well, but both of them have kind of like setups for what's going to come. Let's do comic books, because I thought this was the most random choice. Yeah, this is a, a wild choice. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a lot of stories with characters with names based off of other authors' names, and a lot of times they sail right over my head. And then there's Brad Rayberry. Could not be more subtle. I know. Crazy. So I've read some Ray Bradbury. Pretty good stuff. Well, so wait, what is it called? Babe Bradbury? Ray Bad... What? But like... Okay, his real name is Ray Bradbury. The real man is Ray Bradbury. And this version is Brad Rayberry. Very subtle. A little subtle tweak. This is a real... This is like someone did the math, right? Someone looked at history and was like, oh... Ray Bradbury would be alive in 1955, and Jughead would be a fan of his. True. So let's let's do that, and that's that's 
this. Yeah. If this isn't the beginning of a storyline, it might be a whole thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Jughead starts noticing Pep Comics publish a bunch of short stories that are almost one-to-one with the stories written by Brad Rayberry. So Al Fieldstone is a plagiarist. Which makes sense because that, that's all that's happened so far is him plagiarizing things. Yeah, this guy's whole deal is I don't want things original. I just want this list of things again and again and again. Exactly. So it works out. Jughead somehow finds Brad Rayberry. He also lives in town. Yeah, he's like, oh, <laughs> everyone lives don't here. Worry. He's so easy to track down. <laughs> He must live so close. As Jughead is looking at the first issue of Home Move Horrors, that's when Brad Rayberry barges into the office and Fieldstone's ready. He's got lawyers. But Jughead suggests they just pay the man for the adaptation of his work at $2 per story. That's $16. (laughs) That's what I thought. I was like, wait. (laughs) Then I was like, then I did the, I, I thought about it and I was like, did they mean $2 per issue published? But that didn't make sense because those issues couldn't possibly be that much. It's not like they were being sold for $5. So that's insane. That's such, that's like no money. Let's see, actually. $16 in 1955 today. Oh my God. Okay, so do you want to know how much it actually is? $16 in 1955 money? Yeah, it's uh, it's $180. Yeah, that still sucks in today's economy. <laughs> that's not even, like, uh, that's insane. Okay, so mm-hmm. g- glad Jughead won him that deal after, like, making this a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, glad Jughead created and immediately solved this problem, only to create another problem. Jughead and Brad get dinner at where else? It's Pops. It's Pops. It's the only... What's the, I was going to say, what's the name of the Italian <laughs> restaurant that they went to twice? That one. Brad considers letting Jughead write comic adaptations of his work. Jughead's on cloud nine. Nothing could ruin this, not even his own choices. <laughs> we also get to hear about what happened to 1950 Skeet. He lives in Toledo after a robbery gone wrong. So he did the robbery, for sure. He, 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 did, he did a bad, he did a crime. And then had to to the only place the Jones family knows to go. Right. There's one one other city. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's three actually: Riverdale, New York City, Toledo, and then far away is Los Angeles. It is funny because, like, you know, there those are, are the places it, you'll watch like crime movies, and characters will have like that place that's like their heaven. Yeah. Like in Fast and Furious, it's like I'm just trying to make enough money to go back home or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. It's usually like a really nice place, but there's kind of I don't I don't actually know much about Toledo, but it feels like a kind of funny choice for it to be like where do we hide out? Toledo. It's a normal place. Toledo, Ohio. There's like a couple of those places where very normal town. Toledo has not traditionally been on the list, but like cities where they're so specific they become jokes. When it's like in Ash vs. Evil Dead, his heaven is Jacksonville, Florida. It's you so know? funny. It's 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 the stuff of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle where it's like, this is in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. New Jersey's always a punchline and I'm always appreciate hearing it in anything. It's your it's your special place. Yeah. It's, it's your Long Island, if you will. Yeah, it's my Long Island. Absolutely. Yeah. Brad comes up with an interesting idea for Jughead. Have you thought about writing about how 
you live in the back of a train car because your dad ran out on you after a crime? Oh. Thoughts. So Jughead hands his writing to Brad, and then in Brad's apartment, he sees a manuscript in a box for the Jupiter Chronicles or the Jupiter Journals. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out what that was. Yeah, he instinctively steals it. Yeah, he... Okay, so I think it's supposed to be the Martian Chronicles, which is a science fiction Mm. novel. I've not read it, unfortunately. I have not either. But it's about, just so we know, uh, Chronicles the Exploration and Settlement of Mars, the home of indigenous Martians by Americans leaving a troubled Earth that is eventually devastated by nuclear war. Mm. Bummer. Um, Classic. Yeah, and imagine just, like, imagine if I went into your room and I saw, like, a script and I was, like, like, I just stole it. Yoink. Instead of, this this right. man is a writer. And then. He could have asked. Right. Like. Jughead, like, came to this man's house to let him read his work and then hear his opinion on it. And I presume the rest of that happened. Right, sure. <laughs> to, yes. To some degree or not. Like, that he didn't immediately leave. That guy got him tea and they spent a while together <laughs> while Jughead had his manuscript that was in a box on the table. You know, that wasn't hidden away somewhere. He might have been doing something with that. You right. took it and just... Yeah. Like, <laughs> and what if he was like, I would, I was publishing it, but you took the only copy I had. Right. What's I, wrong with did, you? Did you notice the red the red uh, pen marks on it? I was <laughs> editing this. Yeah, Jughead, not a smart man. Jughead, then, then you, like, you don't know this happened, right? You're like, where's my manuscript? You're looking around for it. This kid you helped out comes back a week later and he's like, I loved your book. I stole it from you. You should get this published. You, a published author who is continuing to publish things, should get this published. Highly successful in the medium. Right, right, yeah. Have you thought about making this a book? I could help you. Oh my God, Jughead, sweetie. So Brad calls him as much of a thief as Fieldstone, shouts for him to get out of the house and breaks a glass. I would say he's more of a thief than Fieldstone, actually. I'm just gonna, you know, say well, that. At least I mean, his Jughead stuff was didn't published. Cost him money, but he, Jughead violated his trust in a way Fieldstone never could. But Fieldstone personally, like, took money out of this guy's pocket. Well, you know? but these stories were already published, so clearly, do you know what I mean? It's like he already published right, these stories, right, right, so right. it's kind of like it kind of just mm-hmm. looks bad on the part of the comic book company at this point isn't, it, isn't this on the publisher like the original publisher should be on top of this stuff not yeah him. oh yeah 100 100 percent. the part the patriarchy gets its hands on homeroom of horrors written by jughead jugular jones they're coming for him oh good cool we've been setting this up for literally forever and now for the best part of the episode the female gaze with gen- with an a z e just to clarify that's right unless not i don't that's know right. Maybe. You know, they, both of them could. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know. <laughs> Betty catches a glimpse of Archie's body across the windows. She can't get out of her head. She asks Veronica what sex is like, and Veronica admits she's never gone all the way. Which is exactly what I assumed. I knew it. I knew you it. You really thought that? Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. This is an every single... Mm-hmm. This is such a trope. Aspect where it, of her? Yeah. It's just... It's like she seems much more mature than she is. She puts on a lot yeah. of airs. So, yeah. Makes right. sense. So, like, that 
that makeout party really just like a couple people went to different rooms and probably awkwardly kissed a few times. Like, and were like yeah, that was fun. Let's go hang out with everybody again. That's like every single real life makeout party too. So that totally checks mm-hmm. out. The yeah. most realistic thing I think it's ever done. Veronica tells Betty that her secret is sexy lingerie. She just wears it underneath her normal clothes all the time. But I know people like this. Yeah, I know people like this too, but it seems very uncomfortable for me because of I couldn't put on leggings and then sexy lingerie <laughs> and a workout t-shirt. <laughs> so doesn't seem like it makes sense. Right, right. It does decide the kind of clothes you can wear, for sure. Right. I mean, in the 50s, though, I will say that those are the clothes you would wear. Like, you would wear a dress, and it's thicker material. When was lingerie... When did lingerie become A this, thing? is the question, I guess. That's when... Like, sexy lingerie, yeah. Was that this time period? I just... I googled it, um... Concept Okay, so the concept of lingerie as a visually appealing undergarment was developed during the late 19th century. Lady Duff Gordon of Lucille mm. was a pioneer in developing lingerie that freed women from more restrictive corsets. So I think lingerie kind of replaced corsets. I love the name Lady Duff Gordon yeah. so much that I'm definitely going to steal that for a D&D character. You should. And make, uh, <laughs> make them like a lingerie mm-hmm. creator. Maybe they make magic yeah. lingerie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it works. They make magic lingerie. Yeah. That... You wear it under your armor and, and it gives you powers exactly. instead of over everything. See, I think that sounds fun. Veronica invites Betty over to try on lingerie. A lingerie party. A lot of parties. I don't know if this is a thing anyone has ever done in their life. But <laughs> no. Veronica has Betty look at herself and say, I am gorgeous, a sexy siren at the height of my womanly powers. And may God have mercy on the boys of Riverdale High. Yeah, this is a very Veronica line of Veronica. Yeah, this would be what Veronica wakes up every day and tells herself. And you know who's you know who does believe it every time? Who? Veronica. I don't oh, know if anyone yeah. else buys it, but Veronica's bought in. <laughs> That's good. I, I wonder if she is as bought in as she claims to be, though. Mm. Yeah. How there was a little bit. It? Well, because there's a little bit of vulnerability with Jughead, where it was like when it didn't work on Jughead, it basically just like ruined her whole life for like a, a whole day. She she has stopped putting on the airs of celebrity almost entirely at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. Because if it, if it wasn't going to get Jughead. <laughs> right, exactly. So Veronica wants to find Betty, a man, any man. Do you like any men? Betty says Archie, and she's like, did you have to pick that? God damn it, okay. She's such a good sport about it, though. (laughs) Yeah, there's a great shot. She has Betty go to Archie straight away, and there's a great shot of Veronica listening in to it, being almost like like she's, she gotta know which way he falls, because she's still obviously into him. Yeah. Who wouldn't be? Sure. He's Archie. Right, of course. When Archie mentions all of his new responsibilities, she smiles. She's happy. And I, I just thought it was great. Because oh. Archie is also, well, yeah, of course I want to go out with you, Betty. That sounds great. You and me at a movie? What wouldn't be fun about that? Oh, man. I, when Betty was crying after, I actually felt so sad. Betty thinks it's made up, and it does sound made up. It's he's like, so made up. like, my Uncle Frank's in town, and now he's the coach of the basketball team <laughs> and wants me to be the water boy. She's like, what do you, you didn't do any of these things last week. Right, exactly. Like, this feels very much of a lie instead of him, you know, yeah. the drill sergeant that Frank has become. And uh, Veronica suggests they find some Stonewall prep boys for a night out. And I said, Brett? 
No, it's so sad. It's nobody. No. Rando. There are two strangers. Why would you? Why would you? Why would you play me like this? They could have picked any of the two others. I thought, I thought Brett was going to be in this episode. I. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, you know how Archie's outside of Pops and like Julian pulls up and he's like, "Fill it up." That could have been. That could have been Brett. He's in a Marvel movie, John. You gotta understand. That could have been Brett. I don't know why they didn't bring back the Stonewall Prep people. They could have brought back. Okay, Donna is obviously busy being a yellow jacket. She's busy. Um, and the other two, I don't but, know the names. You know, not of. She's not on the soccer team. What was the girl's name? Joyce. And the other one, yeah, and the rest. And the rest, yeah. But yeah, it should have been Brett. One of my favorite line readings from the episode is when Veronica and Betty re-meet after their date and Betty's still into Archie. And Veronica has a line where it's like, Romeo and Juliet got together. <laughs> and then Betty says, they died. And Veronica says, not until act five. And they didn't die virgins. That's true. They, wait, what did she say? They, they, they didn't, she didn't say virgins, I don't think. No, no, she has a better line reading that. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. I know. I forgot what it was. It was something like they like lost it beforehand or something, which is factually correct. Mm-hmm. I don't think is the moral of that yeah. story, but you know, is true. <laughs> Live fast, die young, get laid. <laughs> exactly. Well, maybe the order is reversed a little bit, but you know, that comes first, I think. Betty lets slip that she can look into Archie's bedroom from her own. And Veronica says, what? And Betty says, yeah, it's been that way since season one, and we've never really done anything with it. And Veronica says, what? So her idea is that they're going to... She starts salivating. Spy on him? Like, imagine if this was men doing... It's a peep show. Yeah, if men were doing this, I feel like this would be so creepy, and I think it's still creepy to do this. Again, yeah, if this... This is the kind of stuff that was in sex comics yeah, back in the which day. were bad that boys would climb a tree to see a girl changing in her room and now we consider that incredibly creepy creepy yeah violating the the difference is the boy likes it right right which they find out after but dicey the girls get in position archie <laughs> appears and takes off his shirt veronica cannot stop talking through the experience and when he glimpses over and the girls duck for cover, Betty has a line that said, at least when Jimmy Stewart did this, he was catching a murderer. Veronica would love Disturbia. Oh, it's the best movie. That's why. A more her speed version of yeah, Rear Yeah, super fun. I think um, it's really funny, though, that Archie does this literally all the time. He stands in front of his window and takes his shirt off. And then he is... He doesn't even think about the window being open. Right. And he's probably never once looked Betty's way while she's changing. It's a little bit weird. It's like, oh, okay. So now you notice and now... She might also close the blinds because she clearly does notice. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, Archie, just think. Be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. We know you're not, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try harder. So the next day at school, Archie finds the girls... And asks for a private minute with Betty. This is the creepiest thing. Not creepy, so but... Liked it's it. weird. It's weird. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Archie Ugh. liked it. Of course he did. Come on. It's just a very strange thing to me. I don't know. Well, well, imagine you've been, you've, you've been so protected from knowing anything about sex. That you're like, let's just watch. That you've literally never experienced that... that thrill of being lusted for but he just had the whole thing with cheryl so at least like you know yeah, it's... but that didn't 
happen. She was performing. That's true. Yes, that's fair. She it wasn't real. Oh, yeah. It seemed nice, but no, it was not. Poor Archie probably thinks he's not hot. Bummer. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He thinks he's a normal American teen. <laughs> wow. He doesn't realize he's really 30. And he was once a me- yeah. member of a, of a fascist. <laughs> a father. Yeah, a father. No, he's a, the, the leader of the Red Circle. He was in a fight club once. Yeah. He's a boxer, technically, Correct. in the army. He yeah. doesn't know these things yet. You know what I just you know I just realized is a nice side effect of resetting the entire show. But not a scar on his body. Oh yeah, that's true. No tattoos either. You don't have to put that bear scar on his chest. No bear scar. No really ugly Southside serpent tattoo on anyone. The serpents are still a thing though, right? Like Tony is a serpent. Yeah. They keep calling her a greaser. She wore, the, she wore the jacket this week. Yeah. It keeps going back and forth, right? They're like, you're a greaser. You're a beatnik. They're the same. Uh, uh, just yeah, changing. I don't think beatniks and greasers are supposed to be the same, but what do I know? No, they're not. Yeah. But the show can't make up its mind. Fair. Archie and Betty make a deal to uh, be in their rooms tonight and just <laughs> look at each other. It's really weird, honestly. It makes me really uncomfortable. Betty says she's going to wear something special. And then, oh gosh, is Virgin Archie just, just so excited. Oh, yeah. Good for him, but wow. Mm. it's so they like icky. do their hair like it's a real date <laughs> yeah they could also just go on a real date you know no no like the it's not hot the enough. frank thing was kind of solved just a thought it is also like yeah i don't know is is frank or mary forbidding him from dating betty for any reason i understand why alice doesn't want betty being near any boy who is actually straight right sure but, <laughs> but yeah i don't hmm. Food for thought. Sound off in the comments. They take it slow. Both uh, teens undoing their belts, their shirt buttons. Betty shows off her lingerie. Uh, the pants and the skirt come off. Archie's in his tidy whities They're about to touch themselves when Hal and Frank barge into their rooms. I would die. I was thinking about this if this had... An incredible ending. Oh my god, though. I would. I would just... You know, the window is right there. I'm out that window. Flung onto the street. It's just not worth it. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's like, you know when Polly ran through that window at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy? That would be me. <laughs> In this case. <laughs> Awful. Well, well, I guess that's the episode. Ooh. That's it. So we can talk about the best, the best boy or girl of the week. I think Archie, actually. Because he did everything he was told, and then he stood up for himself in the end. Okay, I like that. I'm going to give it to Veronica for supporting Betty and not, you know, interfering like she could have. She could have really ruined this. And she didn't. Yeah, I think she was trying, you know, when she went, when she took them out with the Stonewall prep boys, but it just didn't take because they were (laughs) losers. I actually think she wasn't trying to ruin the Archie Betty thing, though. I think she genuinely was trying to help Betty. Because she could have gone right, out with but the Stonewall boy. Underneath it all, it would have been convenient if <laughs> Betty wasn't, you know, pining for Archie anymore. That is fair. Yeah. Yeah, but Archie really hasn't shown any interest in Veronica, so who knows? No, he's 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 over it. He don't, he yeah. don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, best dressed 
Cheryl has like this red outfit. Can you believe it? Red. Oh wow! Uh, at the end, when she's when she and Tony kiss, that has no sleeves. That I kind of liked as like one of their adaptive, not quite the fifties, but like fifties meets modern looks. Yeah, I liked. What did I like? Betty had a dress that was like plaid, or was that Veronica who had like a? There's like a pretty like plaid blue dress. I thought it was Betty, but maybe it was Veronica, and I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. The lingerie didn't really do anything for me, but... Yeah, it wasn't... In my experience, lingerie doesn't do anything for me. I've never really heard of anyone who's been like, lingerie, that's it. That's where it's at. I've never really heard that. I Yeah, I don't know a lot. Of, I I hear a lot more women talk positively about what lingerie, how it makes them feel. Yeah. Than I do men being excited to see their partner in lingerie well it's kind of like if you put a packet like a like a really nice gift wrapping on a really nice present it's like oh pretty but that's not really why i'm here <laughs> right exactly yeah. and it's very expensive so but i i mean it's you know it can make things like your it can make clothes sit better or whatever also so i think that's kind of why people like it and it's like nice yeah. it's pretty it, i think it's pretty but I don't think it's, like, the package. Totally. Okay, so we got best boy and girl, best dressed. Guess, Guess who's, who's back? back? Evelyn! We have Evelyn Evernever, who appears to be a real teen this Real teen, around. probably, most likely. Unclear. Yeah. We don't know. Fun to have her around. No word yet on whether Chad Michael Murray is coming back, but we can We dream. can dream, and so can he. And also, full episode with Frank being back. Uh, Frank is Oof. definitely the worst version of himself. Yeah, and the last version was literally possessed by, like, a demon. So, yeah. not really. He sucked before, too. Yeah, but... yeah, because Percival had him under mind control. And so, right. yeah. Right, Percival could do that. And now Frank is just a normal man and not controlled, and it's still very upsetting. Are those all our superlatives? We could go into the rumor mill. Yeah. Rumor mill. Um, Jughead's in trouble. Mm. But, okay, so I had a question. Everyone's in trouble. <laughs> Adults are mad at children. That's the show now. That's what we do every week. I wonder, did you notice that there was something kind of familiar about Jughead as a writer in this season as before, as right after the time jump when he had that manuscript from that girl? You thought he was going to steal it? Yeah. And he didn't? Or did he? He didn't. He didn't publish it as his own work. He did not do that. Remember? Yeah. What was what was that about? Dude, I don't know. It didn't. It didn't end up being anything. We never saw her again. <laughs> right. I think it was like a dropped plot line. Honestly. Who cares? But I did notice. Like it always seems like. I'm starting to get into who cares territory. Who cares? Well, it just seems like Jughead is constantly dealing with plagiarism in this field, in one way or another, and I'm like, dude. Maybe, I don't know. Is it you? Is it is it you? Is it Pep Comics? Maybe find a different publisher in town. I'm sure there's many to work with. In town? In town. There's two publishers in town now? Honestly, I wouldn't put it past them. It's kind of crazy that this famous writer clearly lives near town. Also, did you notice that the, uh, the geography of Stonewall Prep is now... Oh, it's right down the road. It keeps getting closer. Yeah, it's like... Yes. You know, you think it's sneaking up on Riverdale, but we've already discussed how Riverdale moves. Riverdale's moving closer. Right. It's moving away from Sabrina and shifting closer to Stonewall Prep. 
Soon it'll be in New Jersey. Right. And how fun would that be? It's pretty close to Long Island. It's it's this is a frustrating season for the rumor mill because no one's trying to solve the crime. Right. They're not Well, there's two Why things. is there even a crime if no one's going to solve the crime? Nobody cares enough to solve the crime. And so it's another episode of teens exploring their sexuality. And next week will probably also be an episode about teens exploring their sexuality. Because once again, adults are going to come down on a couple teens and be like, hey, stop having sex. And they're going to be like, no, this is a sexy teen drama. We <laughs> deserve the right to have, to, have, to have sex and be sexy teens. And that's the season. And Ethel, meanwhile, is crying all alone in her prison cell in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Just saying. We have not even... We have, we're not even talking to her. We don't care. No one cares. <laughs> Jughead has a job, and he's so stoked for it. His two friends are like, this is amazing. You published this comic. You know who would love this comic? Ethel. But we're not going to talk about her because we don't, we're not actually friends with her. Who's, who's Ethel? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a not a lot, not a lot for for Ethel this season. But who knows? Maybe it'll come back around. I hope she's okay in there. Hey, hey, Ethel, are you okay in there? Oh God, no, poor Ethel. Oh, she's in the upside down. Like literally. I wonder if maybe sad the reason Frank is back and full time and worse, worse than, than ever. ever is maybe they were having conversations behind the scenes over where sheriff keller is meant to fall you know on the patriarchy end of things yeah and maybe they wound up kind of backtracking and being like he's not pure bad he is at least a good law enforcement officer because like they're saying he's still he's actually investigating the murder stuff yeah that's possible and that's why they're like we need a we need to bring in frank as an adult who looks like he could actually hit it, hit any of these <laughs> teens and win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need this guy back. Yeah, no, I mean, we haven't seen, we actually haven't seen Kevin in a while either. I wonder if they're shaving the cast down or if like the cast has said, hey, I can't be in X this, amount this of This could episodes. be a lot of situations of like, yeah, cast members being like, I want some time. And they're like, yeah, it's the last season. Take whatever time you want. Right. And go do your thing. That's what I'm thinking. I bet, I bet. I bet we'll see Reggie again before the season ends. Yeah, I think so too. I think we would know at this point if he's not coming back, but who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, could be, you know, another Marvel movie. We'll see. For the record, the original Reggie is a superhero now. <gasps> yes, he's in Shazam, right? Yes, he's not a Marvel superhero, but he is in Shazam. Question about question about Shazam. I did see it, but I can't remember. Yes. I saw it on a the plane. The second one? It's not, well, the second one wasn't great. The first one I really like. I really like the first one, too. In the first one, he is a child, and then when he puts on the costume or something, he becomes an adult, right? Yes. And Reggie is a child, puts on the costume, becomes an adult. Yes. So the whole time, these superhero characters that we see, like Zach Levi is an adult. I'm sorry, is a child. Yeah. Like, he goes back to being a child when he takes off the costume. Correct. It is a child who is temporarily empowered and given the form of their their ideal adulthood you know the the most powerful yeah. person version of themselves they could possibly be uh uh which for yeah. one one child is zachary levi pushing 40 
and and another guy <laughs> is uh, uh, the original Reggie. <laughs> Charles Melton. No, not Charles Melton. I'm sorry. Oh Ross my god. Butler, right? I love no. him. Ross Butler. Yeah, Ross sorry. Butler. Whoa. Yeah, Ross Butler. Oh my god. Can wow, we start a sorry, rumor? That... Can we can we just start a bit around Hollywood that Ross Butler and Austin Butler are brothers? Yeah, they're brothers. Yeah. They're yeah. Yeah. They're biological siblings. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Yeah. He did some of the background, uh, you know, the back of the head stuff in Elvis, you know, because they are He was very standing, similar. yeah, because they look identical. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I honestly think he could have done it. But. And I, I watched the trailer for next week where it's called Dirty Dancing. Oh, I have not seen it yet. Yep, so it's called Dirty <gasps> Are Dancing. Are they going to be dancing? It looks more like Hairspray. <gasps> but it see- sure seems like... Betty's gonna do a serpent stance, serpent dance on broadcast television. Oh wow, she's and everyone's gonna be like, <gasps> teens dancing, being sexy. <laughs> Here, and then it's gonna turn into a whole thing. I, in Riverdale, I'm actually going to see Hairspray um, in Los Angeles, and I just wanted to tell you that because it's playing, and I'm going with my mother-in-law. Oh, yeah. So you're coming back? I'm coming back eventually. Yeah. So if it's an episode on, you know, glitz. Glamour, dancing, hairspray. Maybe I should try to get Steven on it, you know? I, I mean... you probably love that. I just watched his... Or not watched. I just saw uh, on the Riverdale Register Instagram that he posted a very glitzy and glamorous looking Instagram photo. So I might try to... This might try to be a Steven episode next I week. would love that because then I get to listen to our podcast. And that's always fun. So... And Steven is a great co-host. Mm-hmm. So if he's open, mm-hmm. if he's willing, he has my blessing. It's like I'm trying to think if we know if we know of anyone else who'd be like a perfect fit for something dealing with dirty dancing and or hair hairspray. Who loves dancing? Who loves dirty dancing? The Patrick know. Swayze movie. It's like the only thing I'm like if if we if, uh, if we have another girl in mind would be nice too, just because I, I I I do like the balance thing. Yeah, it's fun. It's women are great. Steven is great, and women are great. <laughs> we the, love women. We love yeah. women. Women are great. You know what? I'll say it. This podcast. Pro women. Pro women. I mean, you know, pro women. They can't do every job, but they can do some jobs. No, I'm kidding. They can do this job for you sure. You can't say that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please, guys, please. You know these are jokes, right? I realize you can't see my facial expressions, but I hope that my tone of voice is clear. John, you know, right? You know. Love. I am a feminist, but don't ask me anything about it. <laughs> All right? That's the, that's the quote now. Yes, exactly. Yeah, please put that in writing so everyone knows what that is. I would love that. I would love that. Put that right next to you either die the hero or you either die the villain. I am going to make sure you it's... die the hero or become the villain and then die. No, you either live... You, you die long enough to become a... No, you live long enough to die a hero or you become a villain and die. The famous quote. I, I'm not sure what's so confusing. So, John, what are you watching? Oh, boy. That's a big question. Okay. Last night saw this week's Yellow Jackets, which was so huge. Oh. It feels like it should be illegal to talk about for, like, another week. Oh, so it really... Okay. Especially if it seems you're not caught up. No. This is the problem with being married and watching a show with someone you're married to. You you feel like there there's I have this with my roommates right or really with anybody that you're watching it it's actually not even a problem with being married it's a problem with this no one 
choosing to watch a show with anyone. No one should share their shows. <laughs> right, you know? it's yeah, hard. Exactly. Don't... But I do prefer watching Yellow Jackets with Ian than watching it alone. It's not because I'm afraid of it. It's just more fun to be like, oh my God, did you see that? But right. yeah, it's a good group experience. Yeah, we actually talked about for a while about maybe like on a big episode having people and then doing like like snacks. And then we were like, well, what, yeah. what kind of snacks would not just be like disgusting? Like, we're not going to serve, like... Meat. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, fortunately, I think that we can have it be a vegetarian meal, but it's still like, ooh, what do you want to eat when watching Yellow Jackets? Not that much. Yeah. Ice cream? So instead, I'm going to pick Barry. Okay. I've never watched it. Which? It's great. You know the premise of the show? Yeah. It's gone so far from where that was, it's, like, hard to explain. Okay. Barry was caught. Barry escaped from prison. Oh, and so last week was like all the other characters reacting to Barry escaping from prison and a, every single character making a choice they can never take back hmm. that compromises them in some way with lasting ramifications. And then at the end of the episode, a sudden twist where you don't you don't know if and when you'll come back to any of that. Is it all in Barry's head? Similarly to Yellow Jackets, it was a game-changing Oh my god, this is so painful, John. And it completely (laughs) resets the show for like the last couple episodes. Yeah, it was a wild one. Highly recommend Barry. Barry's like not quite the comedy it was anymore. It's more black than comedy as far as black comedies go. But I'm really fascinated how it's going to end. It is, it's just art. Phil Hader's an incredible creative. Yeah. That's a resounding endorsement. What are you watching? You know, honestly, because of my craziness, I haven't really watched much, but I did watch something on the plane, which I actually really liked. And I, I'm going to be honest, I did not think I would like it. It's called She Said. It's the movie about Harvey Weinstein basically getting taken down by the New York Times article. Or not, that's not the right way to phrase it, but it's about the, the journalists who are writing a story about Harvey Weinstein. And, you know, I had written so much about Harvey Weinstein. I had followed that case, you know, basically since its inception or inception, that's not the right word, since it, you know, since it broke. And then I had to write a lot about it and communicate with like lawyers on occasion. So I was very familiar with it. So that's why I kind of didn't think it'd be that interesting. But it was very, very interesting just how an article like that has to go through all of these hoops and things to make sure that it can be legally written, how many sources they need, why sources might want not want to talk, people on the record, people off the record. And I think it was just like a good journalism movie, if not only a good movie about like something so huge. Um, and obviously it's very upsetting because of the subject matter, but yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I admit i i I haven't seen the movie i've mostly heard mixed to negative things about i had heard mixed but mostly on the point you're talking about which is we all know yeah we all know and like do we need this movie now with these people and the idea that the it is interesting i guess that the take is this is more of a process movie yes definitely about how hard it is within the journalism profession to do something like that yeah. I guess that's that's more interesting. That's a more interesting take than I would have expected. Yeah, because it's like, it doesn't feel like, oh, it's such a win 
for, you know, it's not a movie about prosecuting Harvey Weinstein. It's a movie about just getting this information out there, which I think is what takes it from being like a, oh, well, we know he's a bad person and he did bad things to, well, why aren't, why don't people speak out and what makes, why can't we tell these stories? Here's why. It is ideal as a plane movie. Though. Oh, yeah. That is the exact speed. That is absolutely the exact speed. Right. Because you want a plain movie that's like, doesn't require my total attention. Yes, but very fair. Is, is relieves the boredom. I can go either way. I usually want it to be something I haven't seen before to be like a little bit interested in it. Because if it is something I've seen before, I will fall asleep. So John, I might not see you next week, but I will be thinking of you. You where will be they, in my heart. Where can they find you? Oh, right. Okay. So <laughs> you can find me at Riley Tweets on Twitter for now. And you can find me on Instagram at the Riverdale Register Podcast, where you can send in questions and thoughts and, and things like that. And I can send you guys, if you uh, record without me, I will send you a question from the audience. What about you, John? Um, yeah, you can, I guess, find me on my TikTok. Hell yeah. Uh, at John Padden. Doing that, but, you know, I haven't had a, my, my D&D group meets like once a month, and I'm really struggling to build a... Uh, a vertical city. Oh, that's fun. Like literally, like. What do you? What would you think? Are there. Like it's like it's like essentially if you took a giant redwood. Okay. And made it like people live in there. Sure. Like it's a like it's a like it's a skyscraper. Okay. <clears throat> and so, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. There is this really cool thing in like mm. the Middle East that it doesn't exist yet. But that they're the line. I've 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 been reading about it. It's, it's not quite the look I'm going for. Yeah. The thing I've kind of landed on is like because it's a little bit fascist. Um, cool. Send me any uh, any pictures of it because I am actually very interested in that kind of like futuristic architecture. Well, anyway, John, I miss you. Take care of Los Angeles for me. I will look at fondly upon mm-hmm. New Jersey when I see it, and I will wave. Uh, good luck surviving long island thank you yeah. thank you so much i'll talk to you later i don't know how you do it <laughs> over and out river vixens